All right, now to today. Uh, has anyone ever heard of Juneteenth? Anyone know what it is? Who, who runs Sheridan's history department? Is that person here? The Sheridan High School? I'm kidding. Uh, no, no one knows what Juneteenth is. This, this happened. All right. So in 1863, there was a document signed by a guy named Abraham Lincoln. Does anyone know what that document was? Emancipation Proclamation. It was signed in 1863 by Abraham Lincoln. And what this document did was end slavery in the United States. So the war was over. Some of you just needed to hear that. The war was over. (laughs) They're taking our guns. It's fine. The war was over, right? Uh, the, The slaves were free. The Emancipation Proclamation ended it. So legally speaking, slavery was now completely illegal in the United States. The problem was there there was a little catch to this. This is hilarious. I read this this week. So the way that it was supposed to be implemented was the slave owners were supposed to tell their slaves that they were now free. Do you see a glitch in this plan? Right? And so what happened was a bunch of slave owners that, that were north of the Mason-Dixon line packed up their slaves and their, their plantations, and they moved to Texas, to Galveston, Texas, because then, just like today, Texas is its own little weird place, right? And so they, they moved their slaves there, and it took a long time for the message to get from Washington, D.C. to Galveston, Texas. So because there were so many enemies of freedom Uh, There are all these slaves in Galveston, Texas that are still living in bondage even though they're free. The war is over. It's done. The battle's been fought. These are free men and women who are still living like slaves. And so on June 19th, Juneteenth, 1865, uh, something happened. They'd been trying to communicate down to these, to these slaves and slave owners in Galveston, so they sent a messenger, and the slave owners killed the messenger. And they sent another messenger, and they killed the next messenger. The third messenger was like, I've got a new plan. <laughs> Let's not send another messenger. So on June 19th, 1865, they sent the army to Galveston, Texas. And they arrived on the courthouse in Galveston, and they announced to the last pocket of remaining slaves, you are free. Two years after they were already free. For two years, they had been living like slaves because enemies of freedom had kept them in chains, had kept them in bondage. Enemies blocked the message. Enemies killed the messenger. Enemies continued to keep free men and women, men and and women in the image of God. Men and women who lived in a country where we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Men and women who were free were living in chains because the enemy wouldn't let them go. And so with that, we start a new series day. Stoner, come on up here, will you? Um, Y'all know, give it up for Stoner. We start a new series today that we're calling Enemies of Faith. Because I want to share something with you guys. When Jesus Christ died on that cross and was resurrected from the grave, men and women were no longer designed to live in bondage. Addiction had no power over us anymore. Loneliness had no power over us anymore. Fear had no power over us anymore. Lust had no power over us anymore. 
Pride had no power over us anymore. No enemy that has ever come against us had power over us anymore because Christ died on a cross, was resurrected from the dead, and he crushed death, and he defeated sin. And because of that, no enemy had any power over us anymore. But for some reason, 2,000 plus years later, too many people are still living like this. There's too many people who are still bound by the chains of the enemy, even though our freedom was purchased 2,000 years ago. The truth is, the enemy is attacking our faith. And why is he attacking our faith? Because he knows that if we had faith that was complete, we'd be set free. If we had faith that was complete, there would be nothing that could stop us. If we had faith that was complete and mature, there, there would be nothing the enemy could do. And so he's attacking our faith daily to make sure that we stay chained up, even though we've been free for 2,000 years. And if you're wondering right now, is Stoner going to sit up there the whole time? The answer is yes. <laughs> he's going to sit right here the whole time I'm preaching. And let me tell you why. Uh, because the enemy that we're going to talk about today, and I'll get to it in a minute, is one that we ignore. We ignore it in ourselves, and we ignore it in other people. You cannot ignore Stoner sitting on stage in chains for 25 minutes because he's just so dang cute. <laughs> right? John 10.10 10 says this. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy and I have come so that they might have life and have it to the full. Do you know what the thief is coming to steal, kill, and destroy? Our faith. He wants to steal and kill and destroy our faith because he knows if he can steal, kill, and destroy our faith, then he can keep us in chains. Because he knows that if we had faith, nothing could stop us. Chris did a great job of this last week, but here's our, our working definition of faith. It's Hebrews 11.1, 1, and it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance of what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. And what do we hope for? We hope that God is real, right? I mean, I do. I hope that when Jesus said, I will never leave you and never forsake you, I, I hope he meant it. I hope that there really is life beyond this moment. I, I hope that I really am, that I really am a son of the king. Like, I, I hope that my life will really be a sum of more than the mistakes and bad choices. I hope that I'm forgiven. I hope that I'm redeemed. I hope that I'm sacred and chosen and righteous. I hope for all those things. And so faith is confidence in what I hope for. And that's assurance of what I cannot see. Do you know what I cannot see right now? The face of God. Do you know what I can see? My chains. So faith is confidence in what I hope for and assurance that the God I can't see is stronger than the chains I can see. And that's faith. And that is why the enemy is attacking our faith. Because he understands what our faith would do to set us free. And so what's the purpose of faith? I believe faith has two basic purposes for us, and, and one is a purpose for us, and it's freedom. Faith sets you free from chains. If you have faith, 
confidence in, in, what you, in what you hope for, an assurance of what you cannot see, then the world can't hold anything against you. If you have faith, there's no problem that can ever bind you. If you have faith, nothing can ever stop you. If you have faith, the world cannot steal your joy. And so the faith makes a difference for us because faith for us sets us free. But this week I was reading this and thinking and I realized once again it's not all about me. It's not all about you. Faith has a second component that I believe is for God. See, God uses our faith to set us free, but like every good thing that comes from God, it's not just for us, it's for his glory. And so faith isn't just about our freedom, faith is about God's glory. And so God is also using faith to make us holy. Exodus 3, 1, this is a great story for a lot of reasons, guys. And maybe some of you have heard it before, and if you haven't, you're about to hear it for the first time. But it's the story of a guy named Moses who was a shepherd. And one of the main reasons I like this story is the lack of exclamation points. But just, just watch. This is great. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness to a place called Harab, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. There's no exclamation point. Every time I read that, I laugh. I'd be like, look at the bush, it's on fire. Moses, I will go over and see this bush because it's not burning up. This is the most vanilla human being in the history of man, okay? He's going to saunter over and check out the flaming bush. And listen to what happens. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called from him, and God says, Moses, Moses, like God's using exclamation, but don't you see? And Moses goes, here I am. <laughs> God says, don't come any closer, man. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. All right, so God calls Moses and says, Moses, I want you to come into my presence. But as Moses is moving in that direction, slowly, as Moses is moving in that direction, God says, stop. I want you to take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. Now, what was wrong with Moses' shoes? All right, what did Moses do for a living? He was a shepherd. He was out there with goats and sheep and what do goats and sheep do outside that most of us don't? Hopefully several things, come to think of it. <laughs> Stay in character. They poop. I'll solve the mystery. Goats poop outside, and, and, and they pee, and, and sheep poop and pee outside. And not only that, Moses had no porta potty So he had to pee and poop outside, too. And so his sandals were unclean. And he brings those into God's presence. God says, I don't want that junk in my presence. Because God is so holy that not only is God holy, the space that surrounds God is holy. And so the Bible is full of information about what we must do to enter this holy space. Because if you walk into God's holy space unprepared, you die. It's sort of like the, the, the sunshine. 
Like the sun is good and it gives life and it grows plants and all those things, right? But if you get too close to the sun unprepared, what happens? The very thing that makes the sun good will kill you because that's how powerful it is. And so God is so holy and so different and so set apart that even to be in his presence, some things have to happen. But God's solution to make the world holy wasn't to make the world remove its shoes. His solution to make the world holy was to send Jesus Christ so that our filth and junk could be washed away by the blood of the Lamb. That was his solution to our junk. It wasn't for us to change. It wasn't for us to take off our shoes. It was the blood of Christ that would make us clean once and for all. And so God says this is the solution. Why? So that we can be in his presence again. God wanted us in his presence. And it is through placing your faith in Jesus Christ that you are made holy. And when you're holy, you can be in the presence of God. So God gave you faith because God wants you in his presence. It's not just for your freedom. It's for his glory. And God gets his glory when dirty, stinky people are made holy. And when you, when you look at that, when you begin to see faith is not just about you, that it's not just, I'm not, I'm not just fighting the enemies of my faith so that I can be free. I'm fighting because the enemies of faith have insulted the glory of my God. And that's a difference, right? You come after me and you get a battle. You come after my God and you get a war. It's like if someone insults my mama or my kids, Right? If someone insults your mama and you don't fight them, when well, you're a coward. I'm kidding. Don't fight. But really, like, it should make you mad, right? You say what you want about me. And let, let me go ahead and put this one out there just because I'm not that holy yet. If y'all ever want to say anything about me behind my back, I can handle it. And even if I find out about it, and I have found out about it before, <laughs> I'm just slowly plotting my revenge. But if I find out you're talking about my son or my daughter behind my back, you and I got problems. That's just truth, because it's different when you come at my kids. It should be the same way with God. You come at my God, it's different. I don't know, if y'all have never read the story of David and Goliath, David is this little shepherd boy, and he's walking along, and he's just bringing people food and doing whatever shepherd boys do, and, and then he hears Goliath start making fun of God, and he's like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. You're talking about my God now. And he gets mad, not because the Goliath is insulting the, the army. He's mad because Goliath is insulting his God. And God does not need us to defend him. But it should offend us when people insult him. And the enemies of our faith are insulting the glory of our God. It's not just about me. It's about my God. And that should change the way we fight the battle. So as we move into this series, we prepare to fight for two reasons, not just one. And the two reasons are this, my freedom and his glory. And that's a battle worth fighting. And so the first enemy we're going to look at today is one that I am super excited about. And it's one that, that we ignore. And it's the reason Stoner's up here sitting in this chair uh, with the chains on him. Because today's enemy is isolation. And isolation is an enemy that we ignore within ourselves, and it's an enemy we ignore in other people. But the first enemy of faith we're going after today is isolation. And for you ladies who are just coming off the garden, let me tell you something. Uh, you're coming off on a spiritual high, Lord willing, and there will be an enemy who will come against you. 
And he will tell you those women don't really love you. And you're not like them. And you can never do what she does. And she has a town that you don't have. And he will attempt to divide. And he will create issues between you and the women around you. Don't be mistaken. He's coming after you. And his purpose is to isolate you. Because when you're isolated, a lion can kill you. And he wants you isolated. And that's why we're going after this enemy today. Because he will gain no traction in this place. So the first thing I want you to know about isolation is this. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 33. And it says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Not only do you need to not be isolated, but you need to choose wisely the people you decide to associate with. Bad company corrupts good morals. And the only people in this room who don't believe that are people in high school. Really. There's some girl in the room right now going, Johnny's such a good guy, even though everyone in my family hates him. He's not good. That's the reason all your friends and family don't like him. He's not good for you. Bad company corrupts good morals. Let me tell you something. I'm glad no one in high school believed this or I would have had no friends. Because... <laughs> It's truth, man. The coaches actually told my friends, you don't need to stop hanging out with that Tommy guy. He was right. Bad company corrupts good morals. It matters who you hang out with. And people are like, well, this is my favorite argument for this, and it's just so us. Well, are you telling me I'm not supposed to hang out with sinners? Because Jesus hung out with sinners. Oh. Yes. What I'm telling you is this. You're supposed to surround your holy space with a group of people who also want to be in a holy space. And then you're supposed to take that group of people in a holy space out in the world and make the rest of the world a holy space. And you cannot do that alone. You need a crew. You need people with you. And you need people around you who love Jesus Christ more than they love you. That's hard to find. But it's necessary. But I wrote this down. I'm going to read it directly. I don't normally do this, but I didn't want to mess this one up. The character of the people who are closest to you will directly affect the quality of your witness. The character of the people closest to you will directly affect the quality of your witness. And I know this. Like, and so do you. When you spend time with certain people, you begin to take on their characteristics, Because the truth is, when we're with people who aren't close to God, they begin to rub off on us sometimes more than we rub off on them. And so we need to choose our inner circle, our core group, wisely for the purpose of reaching more people. Second thing I want you to know is this. In isolation, we make really bad decisions. Proverbs 18, and I'm reading this from the English Standard Version. Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates themselves seeks their own desire. They break out against all sound judgment. Man, I love that. Whoever isolates themselves seeks their own desire, and they break out against all sound judgment. So let me tell you what this means. When you are alone, when you isolate yourself, you are living in what I like to call an echo chamber, where the only voice you hear is the voice that agrees with whatever decision you're making. It's the equivalent of my dad, politically speaking, watching Fox News all day. Really. Or maybe one of y'all on that side watching MSNBC, if you're liberal. I mean, not not a lot of y'all here, but like, you're living in an echo chamber if you're only hearing what you already believe. 
If you're only hearing what you want to hear, you are living in an echo chamber, and that's what isolated people do. And Chris and Katie, they'll tell you this, man, because we, we, we do a lot of marriage counseling and these things. Anytime somebody wants to go do something bad, the first thing they do is withdraw from community. It's the very first thing they do. And they'll come to me and they'll be like, they'll tell me the 9,000 problems with their, with their spouse. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you all what Chris and I both do. When you're telling me the 9,000 problems with your spouse, I will draw a big circle, and I'll, like a pie chart, and I'll make 90% of the pie. I'll color it in. And then I'll make a little 10% piece. And I'll say, you and I both know that 90% of the problems in your marriage are your spouse's fault. That's obvious. We both know that. What I want to talk to you about is the 10% that's your fault. They don't come back. It's a remarkable tool to free up my time. <laughs> they never come back, ever, not one. And because here's what they do. They go find someone who will talk about the 90. And they'll keep looking until they find someone who will talk about what they want to talk about and tell them what they want to hear. Why? Because they're isolating themselves and living in an echo chamber. You must have people who love you enough to say, that is the dumbest idea you have ever had. Like, we need these people in our lives. I have some people in my life who will look at me, my brother, Jeff, and some who will say, whoa, 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 man, you are off right now. I always think about Jeff saying, methinks your passion is misplaced, little brother. <laughs> Can't stand that dude when he says that. But you need people. I mean, Stoner and I have a relationship. You're still here. <laughs> you took this literal. <laughs> but we have a relationship where, where there have been times where you and I have had conversations on the phone where I've said, Stoner, you're out of line. Like, you're wrong. Like, Kate's wrong 90% of the time. We're going to talk about the 10, and you're wrong right now, haven't we? Because we need people in our lives who will say, hey, hold on. You're not thinking this through. Isolated people live in echo chambers. People who are connected hear multiple wise voices. And so I would caution you to connect, not just for your freedom, but for God's glory. Because your refusal to hear other voices is not just a threat to your freedom. It is an insult to God's glory. Third thing is this, Ecclesiastes 4. And this is a good one too, man. I'm in the Old Testament a lot today. It's nice. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls alone. If a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it, it doesn't make a sound. When an isolated man falls, does anyone hear his cry? Guys, here, here, here's, here's what I thought about when I thought about this passage. I need someone who knows me well enough to see through my crap, to know when I'm lying. I need someone who knows me well enough to look in my eyes and say, I see the truth about what's going on in your life right now. You can't lie to me. You can lie to all of them, but you can't lie to me because I know you well enough to look in your eyes and say you're making some bad choices right now. These are the kind of people we need in our lives. Woe to the one who falls alone. Guys, the biggest problem in this community is not alcohol. It's not drugs. It's darn sure not the little scratch cards. The biggest problem we have in this community is isolated people. 
People who, who have convinced themselves that it's okay to be isolated. People who have convinced you it's okay to be isolated. People who put on a show and we act and we make sure no one ever knows the truth about us. And we walk around with our Sunday school face, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. When the truth is we are dying inside because we are completely scared to let anyone know what's really going on. And so for so many people, we never experience what it feels like to be fully loved because we never allow ourselves to be fully known. Not only that, so many of us see people that we know are isolated. We can't ignore this. We know they're isolated. And you know what we do? Walk right by them. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. You've got nothing but time for that. We exist to solve that problem. To walk by an isolated person, when you see them and know they are isolated, not only is it devastating to your freedom and their freedom, it is an insult to God's glory. It is insulting to God's, I want you to hear this, I'm going to say it as plain as I can. When you do not connect with other people for the purpose of building the kingdom, you are insulting the glory of God. And there's no other way around it. Like to walk past people who are in bondage and slaves and act like we don't see them or to deny the bondage in our own heart. It's not just about you. It's an insult to the glory of our God. We were not designed to live like that. And so today, today we repent. We repent that we've allowed ourselves to be isolated. We repent that we've walked past other isolated people. We repent of the time we passed them by. We saw in their eyes. We knew the truth. We repent of the time we kept walking. And we decide of our free will with the faith our God has given us that we will not be an isolated people and isolation will not be allowed to take root in this house. And you must create this for yourself. If you're waiting for me to create a plan to make sure you're connected, then, then you may never be happy. I'm going to tell you all a story about my wife, and I didn't have permission for this, but we love each other. My wife, the garden conference was an amazing thing. God, it was so cool. But, but during the planning of that, my wife was trying to find her role in that. And it's hard to be a pastor's wife. It's not always easy. But she was trying to find her role. What am I going to do? You know, what's my space? I don't know. It's, it's hard. And she was, I think, kind of waiting for someone to get her connected. And then she stopped waiting and decided to connect with someone else for the glory of God. That it's not someone else's job to get me connected. It's my job. And when she decided on her own to find someone and connect, <laughs> chains fell off my wife. And that is the power of God for people who are willing to step out of their little comfort zone and step into the war that we're fighting. Because the enemy is real, but our God is bigger. We will not live isolated. It's time to pick a fight. Our freedom and his glory. Isolation, you are not welcome in this place.